Thanks for clocking in to Becoming a Better Nurse podcast. I'm Rebecca. And Aaron. Together, we like to offer ideas, conversations, and solutions to help educate, elevate, and empower nurses. Okay, so after discussing some topics, we're going to take a time and really delve into a patients that stayed on our minds, something that we'll never forget in nursing. And I immediately come up with a patient that I had taken care of when I was a seasoned nurse, and I pretty much took care of any kind of patient. And this patient was very impressive in all sense of the word. He was only 24 years old, and he was had cardiac arrested at the gym. And he was 400 pounds. And so he was, what he was happened is he was working out and he was trying to get healthy, but he didn't realize he had an underlying heart condition and he ended up cardiac arresting at the gym. So we had him in our hospital um, for a couple days and he developed ARDS because he was just so heavy. You can't lift his weight to his lungs and with all of the, you know, hardships that your body goes through trying to recuperate from such a event it caused him to go into um ARDS which is respiratory distress syndrome and so he was on a rotaprone bed so if you can imagine a 400 pound guy young kid cardiac arrested on a rotaprone bed and he's being twisted from side to side well turned from side to side with this bed because he can lay prone and it helps open up the lungs so I was taking care of this one and this the whole just the whole tragic situation it was so sad his mother was Filipino and she didn't speak a lot of English so we were going through the brother who was just a little bit older than him like 26 so um, the brother was so concerned he was just so worried about his brother which is understandable and I never left this kid's side because he was he was sick you know I was running drips I was changing out stuff I'm doing all these things that you have to do with the rotaprone bed and I never left his bed ever the only time I left it was when I had drawn labs and it was four o'clock in the morning and I went to go and drop the labs into our little tube system to send them to lab and when I was up there I was giving charge nurse report that's that's how consolidated my time was I didn't leave and I said you know I'm up here let me give you a quick report everything had stayed the same he was really sick but he was stable so if you don't know what that means nothing had changed but he was super sick so when I heard the alarms go off and I look and oh my gosh this kid's heart rate is VTAC right he's VFib VTAC arrest so I'm running down the room everyone's following me of course we have to turn the rotoprone bed upright so that we can do CPR so that was you know one in a million times like you had to wait for the boat the bed to turn it was just so stressful and you know he's so young and we're all really trying to work on him and everybody the whole team's there and he's really big we had to get on the stool we had to do the CPR and we CPR'd this kid for an 45 minutes so long that we actually had the um, ICU doctor had come in early for rounds like at 4 30 so he comes in he gets a bedside echo we're looking at his heart we call the family because things aren't looking good we let the we come in the mom and the brother they're just beside themselves but we had coded him for so long by now the ICU doctor's like just let the family come in let them see what we're doing because a lot of times that helps the family understand that the you know the efforts are futile 
And so the brother's like, I want to help. I want to help. So we let the brother help. He did CPR. We, the mother comes around. She wants to do CPR. He's you know, not effective, but we're trying. We're trying to coax them, push harder, you know, and it just wasn't going to happen. And this kid passed away and it was so sad and we worked so hard and it was just so life impactful for a couple reasons to me. Number one, letting the family get involved with the um, efforts. Sometimes it's not appropriate, but for some reason the doctor knew the family enough or whatever, but it really helped give that family closure. Like even they felt like they tried their hardest to, to help their son and their brother. And I think that was very helpful in that whole closure for the family. Two, we got the doctor in there. We did all efforts we could trying to see what we can do. Um, CPR on a big guy like that, we were so exhausted. We had to call help from other units. We had to call overhead to ask for some CPR help because we didn't have um, enough manpower and we were all getting tired. 45 minutes of CPR is a long time and he was a big kid. And then four, just the whole, you know, how sad it is when you get to that point in your life and, you know, he he was trying and he had a chance and then he just never came to fruition. I'll never forget that that time. It was just a, a big, it was a big lesson for me um, in so many levels. <clears throat> that sounds tragic. That's pretty bad. Um, and the kid was young too. It's terrible. Uh, in my situation, I had a patient who was a sickle cell patient and uh, kind of younger, maybe 30s, 40s female, very tiny. Um, and as somebody we've taken care of before in the past, I used to work in the hospitals, kind of like in the area, this rough area. And it, because it's in a rough area, so like kind of the, the lower income ghetto areas is around the hospital. So we would get a lot of patients who were non-compliant, a lot of end-stage renal disease patients, people. And, and we'd see a lot of sickle cell crisis patients. And mind you, most of the people that have sickle cell are African-Americans. But, you know, I, I, even um, white Americans can, um, can have sickle cell. But for the majority is is the black um, African-American. But anyways, this patient we would see pretty often and she would come in in sickle crisis, um, some, sometimes not as heavy as other days or at other times. And, you know, you kind of build relationship with these people. You you provide them the medication they need. You're there for them. And you just get, you get close to them. Um, and mind you, on a side topic, there's also certain people who, who have sickle cell and kind of like anybody that comes in through the ED and and they're complaining of pain and you know they're not in pain they're just kind of want to want medication um this wasn't the case and what in one situation this patient came in and i guess nobody had addressed her needs for pain medication and she was pretty much screaming and 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 hollering um about the pain she was feeling it and later on i i kind of asked them I asked her how what that pain feels like when she was a little bit more calmed down and apparently just imagine that there's ground glass basically rolling through your veins and through your arteries that's basically how she says the pain felt but anyway she was hollering and crying and I knew for I knew for a fact that this, this was a legitimate crisis she was in she looked like she was almost being murdered in front of you and, and um Anyways, just the screams. I don't think I've heard anybody scream and, and cry like that ever in my career, and that kind of like haunted me for a little bit. 
But anyways, at that one of the physicians was in there. I believe it was an, an oncologist. So I'm, I would imagine with the sickle cell and the whole um, blood cells, the oncologists are the ones who, who takes take care of the uh, sickle cell patients. I forget because it's been so long ago. Hematologist, sorry, it, it, it's so long ago that this happened. It was like maybe uh, 11, 12 years ago. But anyways, long story short, we talked to the oncologist. Or the physician that was there, he was also surprised that her pain hasn't been addressed and whatever they ordered for her wasn't helping. So we immediately started her on a, on a um, morphine pump, I believe, and that, it, you know, obviously she was getting, we were giving her high doses until she calmed down, making sure her vitals were stable. But eventually she calmed down, relaxed, and she was internally grateful for helping her out. But but anyways, that was haunting. It was tough to see, and I that patient I will never... I'll probably never forget about her. Typically, the the, the life, the life, um, the many years, the, the years that these patients live, sickle cell patients, it's not very long. I think they die very young. It's one of the things she was telling me. So I don't know if she's still alive, but it's one of the patients I still remember. Basically, a sickle cell patient in crisis, and it was just terrible and horrible to watch. But it was nice to know that we were able to act quickly and help her. Um, but it's just sad to know that that'll you know you can't really cure that disease so it's it's a terrible disease but anyways i'll never forget that patient that was that was pretty rough to watch and be a part of you know in your nursing career you're going to have stories of patients that you never forget and the patients when they come into your head they're going to come into your head for different reasons so like this patient it was just so overwhelming the one that i took care of it was so overwhelming because there were so many factors involved that made it so tragic and then the ending of the patient not even surviving all of our efforts it was very sad and very defeating and I think that's why they stay in your head Um, you always learn something and um, that's why I learned just about how how careful you can be and how precise you can be with everything and then when it's their time to go it's their time to go I mean this kid this kid I was taking care of not one thing changed like his vitals were crappy it was 70s over 40s the I was maxed out on all my pressors that I could you know I was doing fluids I was turning him he was turning him with that rotoprone bed just just evenly on each side you know and rotoprone beds are meant they're mechanical beds that rotate and so they're rotating at a certain degree at the same at the same time at the same pause so you know it's very routine and the patients might not stabilize right away but once they're stable they stay that way because their body's used to that emotion and it didn't matter what we did it didn't matter he was maxed out on everything and he was he his body wasn't going to tolerate it anymore it wasn't any one thing I did or didn't do it just happened and so these things stay in your head and you think you know what can I do differently how can I be better how can we can be better as a healthcare facility or profession and um, you just wish that patients didn't have to get to that point and um, so I don't know the kid's background I don't know you know the first 24 years of his life but I know the last you know day of his life was with me and I um, felt like you know he um, he was really trying to make his life better knowing his family and his brother and I think that stuck in my head too so you know as you go along in life you should just take these lessons and tuck them away in your brain and just know that there's always a reason for every experience you have and try to make it um, helpful to you in your future nursing career yeah <clears throat> some of these experiences are traumatizing though and 
Um, and they shape you. They shape you because, I mean, obviously these two examples were not pretty triumphant. I mean, in my case, it was a little bit more than Rebecca's, but still it's extremely traumatic and things that kind of bother you in some kind of way throughout the years. You'll probably never forget your first code. You'll probably never forget your first um, combative patient or, or somebody who dies in front of you. And it might not even be a code. It may be somebody who just kind of passed away. And those are hard things to kind of get over sometimes, but they kind of shape you and they kind of help you kind of guide your care next time. You, you think about, oh, what could have I done this time? What, what Did I perform well? Could I have done this differently? And in Rebecca's situation, I don't think there's anything she could have done uh, differently. And in my situation, I feel like we did everything we can and it's just a shame sometimes patients aren't given the best care that they, they can get from the beginning. And you know, it's a shame, but that happens a lot in healthcare. A lot of times things are missed and you just have to make sure you're you're aware of the situation, aware of what's going on around you, and go from there. I mean, you are the advocate for the patient, and because you're the advocate for the patient, um, it's important to speak up sometimes or say something. Even even if maybe you're not 100% sure what that might be um, instinctually, and maybe something inside of you is kind of telling you, maybe you should say something. Maybe you can talk to your coworker or your charge nurse and ask them, hey, something's wrong about this. Am I correct in my my assumption or is it you know is something maybe this is just how things are anyways long story short the traumatizing points in in nursing are going to help shape you and guide you into maybe becoming better in the sense of better patient care next time maybe going things to, uh, doing things differently and these are all learning experiences and they're a part of what shapes you and be part of, a part of what makes you um, a nurse today it's, I know it's, trauma over time it's pretty hard to get over so I know some people get burnt out over it I mean god you know I, if I don't want to see somebody die in front of me for for every day um, I know during COVID it was pretty tough because so many people were dying and you know that's 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 really hard to get to get over, and so I don't blame you if you're burnt out and you're you know trying to leave the bedside or do something else. But understand that these things shape you, whether you like it or not, and um, that's something that we can we can all learn from. Time to clock out. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please hit the like button and subscribe. Stat. Follow us on Instagram. You can find us on Becoming a Better Nurse. Until next time.